Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rise Tribe podcast. Um, Happy New Year. We hope you all had a wonderful season of celebration with your families and friends, whatever you were doing, whatever you celebrate. We are so excited to kick this year off with the amazing Sharon Kuzak. Hello, gorgeous. I'm so excited. Very, very brief intro because I can't intro this amazing being of light because there's so much. But anyway, Sharon's a natural health practitioner. And we were chatting the other day about about this chat that we're going to have. And she realized that actually it's been nearly five decades of a healing journey for Sharon. And uh, my goodness, she has so much to share. And I just, I've known, I met Sharon in Ixtapa. We did some trainings together. We have been through an amazing journey together. She's an absolute soul sister. And I just feel so blessed and so excited. You can tell my mum, like, wow, I'm excited about this conversation. Um, but I just, I was just like thinking as we were sat here talking, like there's five words, um, which actually really coincide with my core values that I think about when I think of you. And I just wanted to express them. Resilience tenacity, passion, truth, and authenticity. That's what I get from you. And they are actually all in my top core values. And maybe that's why we get on so freaking well. (laughs) So Sharon is just here to to share Sharon, which is amazing. And I I cannot wait for this conversation. Kirsty, do you have anything to add, my darling? I think that was so beautiful that the words that you represent with Sharon if that's the right word are your values I mean that is like a glove fitting into perfectly into a hand isn't it so uh wow and oh Sharon it's just so so lovely to actually finally virtually meet you because you know obviously I've been following your and Sam's journey together and seeing you you know doing lives and and on your the other show that you used to do and so it's just really, really a, a privilege to sit down with you and just hear about this five decades of healing. Wow, the experience and wisdom I'm sure you have within you, um, we can all learn so much from. So I'm just really excited to just learn and, and grow and, and hear hear your journey and, and what you've got planned for moving forward mm. as well. So uh, thanks for being here. Wow, what a guest to kick off the new year with. <laughs> Thank you. So cool. Wow. Wow. That you know, I um I am so honored to be here and I I I absolutely adore you, Sam, and and you are a sister and you both are sisters. And and when we when we move through this path and 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 I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed because we have mm-hmm. had such a beautiful journey. And I and I look forward to all of this and the tenacity and the the truth and the integrity and and those are such beautiful words it brings tears to my eyes and and you know I um some days I I I say you know I I I reconnected with God and in 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 the channel in the channel of light in that divine essence that we all so own because we have God isn't outside of us it's within us and as I go through this journey. Sometimes I say to him, you know, like, what do you want from me? Like, holy moly, like, can you just put on another challenge? Like, really? Like, hello? (laughs) And then it's okay. And it's okay. I have my little, you know, tantrum. (laughs) And then I move forward. Then then it's moving forward because he doesn't give us anything that we can't handle. And this, this five decades, and it was funny because I was 
kind of writing my biography fee and I was like it's so difficult to try to put into words as far as what it is that you bring to the table and 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 um and then I realized it was like four decades and I realized holy moly I'm getting into five because I'm going to be 62 this year and now I'm five it's going to be five and it started when I was like really started when I was 13 and um and and then realize how important it is for us to share these stories. And, and I, I didn't want to share many of them over this past period of time where I really dove in deep to try to shed the traumas mm. and the traumas and all that emotional component associated with all of these, um, all of these blocks of challenges that have been placed in front of me. And until I could really remove aside the emotions and the poor me and and the you know any kind of optimization associated with the anger and and any of these things that have come about the disappointments the um you know the shame and the guilt and all of these things that we that keep us trapped in this pattern of behavior and it really just dims our light and sorry the- can i ask sorry to interrupt but um like I've got a daughter who's 13 and that's that's such a young age to start a healing journey. What was it that got you onto healing? Because if I spoke to my daughter about healing, she'd be she'd be looking at me like got oh, 10 heads. Yeah. Even though, you know, I do what I do, it would still be such a foreign thing to her. So what was it that got you into or got you down the road of healing at such a young age? Well, what happened, thank you, Christy, for asking that. Um, when I was 13, it was uh, September before my um, grade nine year of school. And it was, we have this Labor Day weekend and it's a long weekend. And then school was going to start on the Tuesday. So the Monday was the holiday. Well, the Friday night, I had, my brother was getting married. So I'm the youngest of eight children. And my second oldest brother was getting married. So it was, and it was the first big wedding in the family. And that Friday night before the wedding, I had my one and only appendix attack. And so I decided because, and this is why my whole shift is really moving into the rise of the divine feminine, because we, we are, we are taught at a very young age. And I, and I grew up with six brothers and one sister. And so there was a lot of testosterone in the family. That testosterone and that masculinity wasn't one from the virtues of the feminine. It wasn't coming from caring, kindness, compassion, empathy, and sympathy. It was one of teasing and not protecting and not feeling secure, not rising the little, you know, the little gooby gooby girl that, you know, just needed to feel that her brothers protected her. And so what I did was because of the suppression of that ability to really honor myself because it was chaos. I mean, uh, in 14 years, my mom had eight kids and six boys. And so, mm-hmm. so I, I, as a good little girl, because you don't want to ruin your brother's wedding because you're sick. And I threw up all night on the Friday night and I, I waited because I didn't want to disturb anything. I waited for four days before I went, but I couldn't even walk by the time that my brother, that by the time that my father took me into the hospital, because I was like, oh no, I'm okay, you know, I'm okay. And just suffer in silence because I had this ability to manage that level of pain at such a young age, because there was so much pain that had already been instilled in me right from birth, right Mm -hmm. from birth 
with jealousies and teasing and fighting and, you know, being hit and running and, and the fight and flight. I mean, it was anxiety. All of this was just so instilled in my being that I didn't, I didn't have the tools to be able to actually express how sick I really was. And so I waited for four days. And then the fourth day, the Monday morning, so we have Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday. I mean, I went to the gift opening, sat there. I couldn't eat anything. The only thing I could could keep down was black tea for whatever reason. That was it. So when I got when I was in the hospital, my they rushed me into emergency surgery and my appendix had ruptured and it was rotting in my stomach. Yeah. That could have killed you. Yes. I was like, I was hours away from yeah. from uh, hours. And so just, just this, this desire and the strength, because I guess, you know, there's lots of good things that come from, you know, having such a crazy show at home is that you really, you grow strong because you've got to, to survive. Mm -hmm. And so when I say that I grew up, I, it was more like a survival and my parents, you know, I don't blame them and I don't blame my siblings. There's no blame here. It's just the way it was. Cause they did what they, yeah. what, what the tools that they had in their tool chest, mm -hmm. that's it. And so, but it was then from that point forward, I mean, it was a horrendous thing. I mean, when, when you have that situation going on, they actually have to like basically syringe you out and flush you out because there's so much infection in your stomach cavity. And so what that did was it scarred and it pitted my large intestine. Then not only that, I had to have antibiotics that were out of this world mm. as far as strength goes really just play so the whole microbiome the bacteria everything and not only that after you know probably if they felt that they got the infection after basically putting I mean I'm just like a little girl right and I'm in this teaching yeah. hospital University of Alberta and um and so these students would come in and they would surround my 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 um bed and they would like you know it's like I'm just like 13 right and they would all like look at me because it was like a pretty cool case right and you know I was like this, this science experiment and uh so finally I you know had enough nerve to say to my dad you know dad I, I don't feel good about like 10 or 12 you know student uh, interns coming in here and like checking me all out so then so then they decide to close me up well, they did. They because they left the incision open. They left the sutures loose. Wow. They closed me up. Within 24 hours, I had a fever of 105. And my entire stomach cavity filled again, filled full of infection. And so, opened me up again, flushed me out again, and you know, and and then I then I had another. So then I really was intrigued with the human body. Mm. The fact is, is that and so. So then it went further. So then when I, when they finally, because I was a stomach sleeper before I ended up having this appendix. And um, so I always slept on my left side. So for 10 days or more, 12 days, I was laying on my side, my left side. And so then they, you know, now I, they felt they got the infection. I was now stand, getting, trying to get up and start walking. Well, I take two steps towards the door and I had this pain that took me down that almost collapsed and nurse grabbed me. And what had happened was, is that because my lung, and I was a swimmer before that, so I had really large lung capacity. And so the lung, because I was laying on my left side for such an extended period of time, it, it got a cramp because when I went to stand up, it tried to expand. <clears throat> the pain was unbelievable and it made me collapse. 
And so I had this cramp in my lungs. So then they had to put me on heavy duty morphine to allow me to be able to actually walk. And so I had all of these, all of these things that went on. And so when I went into grade nine and we did science and I was always interested in science, but then when I went into high school, the biology and the chemistry was my ace. I was just like, I just was like, so, so um, intrigued by it. And, and there was, there was lots of other things that went on prior to that because I, I was, you know, anyways, there was all kinds of things that also that were affected me um, before that, that age of 13, because I was, I, I was a bedwetter and I was a bedwetter because I shared a room with a sister that, that didn't care for me from the age of three. And so I had such, such emotional turmoil. So I wet the bed till I was 11 and they decided when wow. I was 11, that the way they were going to solve this issue was stretch my bladder. So they put me into the hospital and they stretched my bladder. So Sharon, I would go as far as saying that this is a, this, that, that was abusive actually so there was pre the appendix with your family situation yes it feels like there was a lot of pain and trauma and other stuff going on yes which you then just said was actually actually helped you deal with this it it created it but also helped you deal with it at the same time I can't believe stretched your bladder anyway um did after operations I mean, what is that? It's just insane. But after your operations and all that, were you then supported at home or or did you then have to continue fending for yourself? Like what was the deal after your, your for your recovery from the appendix operations? Well, I, you know, basically I got out of the hospital. I think I was home for two days and then off to school I went, right? And, and so never really given the tools to really deal with the trauma. I mean, it was yeah. trauma. Right. I mean, not really. And my my father felt so guilty because, I mean, he almost lost his his baby girl. Right. Mm. And and I think it it bothered him more than anything. And and everybody else just went on with their lives. Like it was just like, okay, my mom's like got all these kids. Everybody's like running around and all. I suppose suppose in that day as well, Sharon, you know, like the word trauma, because I'm just thinking about sort of, you know, like my mom and dad, you know, when they, you know, they're, they're older than you. But, you know. That that word didn't even come up, even when I was sort of, a, you know, a kid. The word trauma, it, it, it was just not used. And so no. I suppose in that day, it was, it was like, right, okay, you're out of hospital, you've got your antibiotics, right, soldier on, off you go, let's get back into, into, into life, you know? Yeah. So there was no dealing, no thoughts of, you know, like trauma that you had gone through. It, it's yeah. just so like that. Life, life carries on, off you go. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because it's more of a survival not... situation. Everybody's just busy doing their things because yeah. nobody is being in the moment. Nobody is is saying, you know what, little girl. And and that's that's what happens with, with our society. And that's that's yeah. that's what goes on is these little these little girls aren't and these little boys, I mean, they're being traumatized and and the parents don't know that they are. And, mm. and and so then they don't have the tools to deal with it. So it just gets embedded and embedded. And when Sam and I went on our explant journey together, there was, I could not believe the trauma that came out. It was just mm. like, I had nightmares for like five days, like nightmares. And my little girl came out and cried. She cried mm. and cried. And, and it was like, because 
ripped apart. My masculine, my feminine just left me raw mm. to all of this stuff. And it was like, everything just came through and it just went and, and, it, and it, and, and I didn't, and it just, all the blocks just kind of fit together. It was like, it just went like this. And it was like, I get it. I get it. I get exactly what went on. I get it. Holy moly. So did you, so, what, would you say it was almost like PTSD on, going through this? Because, you know, there's a book called The Body Holds a Score. You know, for anybody that this is kind of new to, any trauma or, you know, big T, little t that isn't dealt with, it it's held within the body. And, you know, that's when later on, you know, people trigger you and you don't know why and, and, and they, all this emotion comes up. So can't remember what my question was, but um, that was it. You know, so when you were going through, you know, um, the explants and you were go, ha having all this healing done on you, was it almost like PTSD you were reliving? What, what sort of was going on for you there, Sharon? Like reliving the trauma or seeing it at a different angle? Well, you know, that's a very good question. And um, and I and I feel very strongly about the fact that if I wouldn't have done the work that I had done before we ended up going to Guadalajara, beautiful Sam and I, and going on this journey together of having our breast implants taken out, if I wouldn't have done, I probably would have relived all of the right. emotion associated wow. with it. Yeah. What it was, was it was such a release of, of just letting myself be letting that little girl and, and allowing her to cry and recognize the fact that that little girl was never allowed to be a little girl because of the mm. fact of what I was born into. I was born into jealousy. My, my sister was jealous of me right from the get-go. She, you know, there was such a, a huge amount. And I, you know, and here I am just this little bebop, bebe, bebe, bee, because that's what I, I am right from the get-go. I didn't even know she was jealous of me until we were 21 years old. I was 21 wow. years old. I, I thought that that's what sisters relationships were. And she was 26 years old and she'd had drinks and she decided the truth serum was going to come up. Oh, you're so much this than me. You're so much that than me. You're so much this than me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, what do I do? Like I was just, all I was trying to be was nice to her and just be like, mm -hmm. <laughs> nice like yeah and it's like and so that was kind of like my life you know in regards to jealousy because jealousy hit me hard with you know a group of girls when I was like 14 and you know and and you know you can have these blessings of 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 beautiful looks and things like that but I mean it could be the biggest curse and that's one of the biggest curse I mean there's this there's this book called reviving Ophelia an old book that's not even in print anymore and it, and it talks about the fact that you know that we want to try to fit in. And so we do anything in our power to try to fit in. And it has nothing to do with you fitting in. It has to do with what everybody else's program is being run. So if we learn to love ourselves unconditionally, somebody gave me the tools so I could manage this environment. But all I was trying to do is be accepted by this group of people called my birth family. Mm. And and I couldn't get accepted by them. So how was I even going to accept myself and be accepted throughout? So then I had this, this real thing that became very instilled in me as far as rejection goes. And so it was like, and, and that's what, when, when we recognize that when we're not, if, if you're in the zone, when you have a child and, and for your 13 year old daughter, so I would imagine that she's probably absolutely beautiful on many levels. 
And, and so when you're in, when you're in the, when you're just in that, you know, kind of normal world. So if you stand out over here or you stand out over here, then, then you now stand out. And if you don't have the tools to be able to stand within mm. stand out, then, then you suffer. And then you try, you, you, you try to um, create uh, techniques and then, and then it just all, it fails because it all comes down to self-love. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, be, almost become a chameleon, you know, who I'm with, can I adapt to just fit into that environment? And then in a different environment, can I adapt to, you know, and then you lose a sense of who you are and a sense of self and, and yeah, you, you just don't know where you belong then, do you? And I think in a family environment that, that you yourself went through, you were never given that opportunity to be yourself from the start. Yeah. So your whole journey. Which we know society and the norms, if you want to call it the norms or the programming, doesn't want that around. It doesn't work for the rest of society for someone to shine too brightly. So we're constantly fitting into that. And, and the, the rise of the feminine that's massively happening, which Sharon, you're leading the way with them incredibly is all about that, but it's also the rise of the sacred masculine, but the feminine is having to step in and step up to allow the sacred masculine to come through. I mean, that's a whole nother massive conversation, but I see from many of our conversations that we've had that that's definitely a path. And I just, I've just got a couple of questions. I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. You said about um, being like super interested in biology and the sciences and everything to do with the body, which came from your your hardship of what you went through. So, and then, so already at that age. Yeah. I mean, I was so, an, I was so enamored with chemistry and biology that see when in the system that I was in in Canada, that you had biology 10 and grade 10, biology 20 and grade 11 and, and chemistry, the same thing. And then biology 30 and chemistry in grade 12. And so I, because I, I was, I had this, I was blessed with being able to, um, to grasp a, a lot. I mean, I was, I had a, a level of intelligence that I could memorize things and stuff. And, 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 and I was really blessed with that. And so what happened in, in biology and chemistry, that if you got a 90% average in chemistry, you didn't have to write the final exam. And if you got an wow. 80 or 85% uh, average in biology, you didn't have to write the final exam. So of course it's like, game on. Right. And so, so it's like, and so then I was really intrigued with this because chemistry, the periodic chart and, and the electrons and the, you know, the neutrons and, you know, how chemical reactions happen and you know, all that kind of stuff was like really cool. So I was kind of like, I kind of walked this path that I was kind of this geek, but then I still, you know, still wasn't the geek. Do you know what I'm saying? So I was like, kind of like this person that still didn't fit in <laughs> because I, I was like an anomaly because I was like, kind of did the party thing, but then I was like going, I aced these exams. Right. And so one of the that was in my, that was kind of my competition as far as, because of course, and that's a silly thing too, as well. They would hand out the papers based on who got the highest. Now, how crazy is that? You know, so the last page, you know, then he, you know, go to a certain extent, the top three or something, and then hand them out rapidly rather, rather than the, the bottom would be like the guy that got like 40 or whatever. And so me and Werner Fraga, we were always in this, like, like you can imagine him, Werner Fraga. I mean, like, think of the name. It's like, 
Yeah. And so he studied, I think he studied like all day, all night and everything. <laughs> so me, I would just You'd gone go to the party and mocked up and aced it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so when I beat Werner, I was like, yeah, you know, but and oh, so, so it was like, so then, so then I, I, I didn't write a final exam in grade, in grade 10 or, or grade 11 in biology and chemistry. And you had to write the final, there was no exemption in grade 12. You had to. And so then it was just kind of this thing. But then I realized really quickly that when I graduated, so my parents buy a house because they were going to have all these kids and they buy it really close to the university of Alberta. So that it's really accessible for you know, all the children to go to university. Well, you know, I went to took university courses, but um, only one of my brothers graduated from the university. And so then, of course, it's like going to be a nurse or a doctor. And I knew at that age, I thought, that's such a box. I can't go in the box. I won't survive in that box. And so then I couldn't go and be that. But so often people say, well, you should have been a doctor. Well, I am a doctor because I teach. And so I don't want to be one of those because I don't want to be a pharmaceutical. Let's chop because of the fact of what happened with me. You know, I had things, you know, had to be taken out and cut into and not a fun thing to have to um, experience. Right. And uh, absolutely. And so then this whole implant thing was all part and that's where the blocks really came into play in regards to why. I mean, I had mine in for 25 years and Sam, you had yours in for 24. 24, and, yeah. And I got mine two years after my daughter was born and um, <clears throat> totally disconnect. I mean, I was into going to the gym, and but into it from the perspective of feeling good, but also from the perspective of more of how I look, right? And so then I realized that what was it? And that came through loud and clear because, of course, I have six older brothers and uh, and their right to passage was getting a Playboy magazine when they were like, you know, 16 or whatever it was. So then there's Playboy magazines and they're stuffed in. Uh, and so I go to get, you know, toilet paper under the bathroom counter or whatever. And I'm like, what is this? And, you know, you're like uh, four years old, five years old. Mm -hmm. Fact, you're being programmed from what they're programmed straight away. A woman looks like that a woman's physicality should look like. Wow, wow. Yes. And so then so then I look at this and then I I grow up and then I have brothers teasing me because of my flat chestedness. And then when I was pregnant with my daughter, and my one brother said to me, Oh, are you gonna, you know, breastfeed or whatever? And I said, yeah. And he bursts out laughing and he tells me that my child's gonna starve. I mean, you know, so that comes in like really at the ground level. So I'm I'm not honoring my divine feminine. I don't have masculine, like we were talking about, masculine qualities that is protecting because that's part of their role is to protect the divine yeah. feminine, allow the divine feminine to rise because that's, that's what we are connected to is to mother nature. Our divine womb is part of the sacred uh, life able to bring life into this, into this earth. We're connected directly with mother nature to the magnetism of mother earth. And so that's who we are. That's who we are in those virtues, the kindness, the caring, the compassion, the sympathy, the empathy. And that is what I did not receive from this testosterone ridden egotistical RR, you know, am I a boobs or butt man? And it wasn't their fault. And it wasn't no. my parents' fault. It's just what it what it was. It is what it is. And so then I 
I, and, and that whole component that came together was, was really like the aha. It was like, okay, you know what? Because I was just like, I just disconnected. How come I disconnected? I disconnected because I didn't honor my divine feminine being. Well, I'm beautiful because I am a woman and I'm beautiful because that's who I am. And that is what I honored. And that is what, that is what God gave me as this beautiful ability to connect with children and be, you know, be able to have this most sacred region, my life force energy. And many women, they, they go and they get all chopped up because they don't, they don't like what they look like. Well, how about what you feel like? How about what you love like? How about what you're honored and respected for? And that's it as well, Sharon, you know, you, you're the example for your daughters and, you know, mm. all the people that you are their first port of contact of a role model. And obviously, as they get older, you know, they start to expand their their influence on who who has that influence on them. But, you know, like how you how you are treating your body, how you are speaking to yourself, little eyes as you as you you know, so eloquently shared there, you know, little eyes are always watching and they're always picking up on all these subliminal and little messages that you're, you're, you're sh sharing with yourself. And they're picking all that up on how to love themselves, how to treat themselves. So, you know, that's why, you know, it's, it's really important for us, us as women, you know, when we've got nieces, nephews, daughters, you know, or younger younger people who we have got an influence over it's really important that you know we've got a um you know a responsibility to treat ourselves and speak to ourselves in a loving way so that that creates that ripple effect to those little eyes that are watching it's absolutely. it's so important absolutely and then i realized with my granddaughter my granddaughter's five years old mm. and when i started doing the mirror work back when she was like two just over two and um and and so I realized that when I came home from one of my trainings and especially focused around the mirror work I mean when I first looked in my eyes and tried to gaze into my eyes and I was like wow you know <laughs> I can't do that uncomfortable thing ever <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Kirst, how, how's your mirror work going, hon? How's your, oh, how's your mirror work? I'm still working on that one, so. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, you know, it's about connecting to your authentic self. And I realized that, you know, I had no idea who this person was because it was created from all the drama. Yeah. drama. And so I come home yeah. and then I'm like listening to my daughter you know, and her father, my granddaughter's father, you know, I love you, Maria, and, you know, I love you, 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 I love you. And then I was like, okay, just a second here. Uh, Maria, can you come into the bathroom with me and look in the mirror? Because I realize that we teach our children that all the love comes from externally. And so it's like, I, I take her to the mirror, I get her to look in the mirror, and I said, you know what Grammy does? Grammy looks in the mirror, and I say, I love you. And I honor you and I respect you. And so the most important person to love is you. I said, first, I said, before your mommy, before your daddy, before Grammy, before whoever, it's you. And so, you know, like, look in the mirror. Like, what is not to love about this little gooby that's, you know, like all full of spirit. I'm like, like, really? But the most important person for you to love is you. And that is so important. And then I will just say to her every so often, so who's the most important person to love? 
me. And I said, and don't you forget it before your mommy and before your daddy. And so one day when I was in Mexico, she turns to, and she's like, I don't know, three and a half, four. And she's thinking about something. She turns to her mom and I hadn't even spoken to her. And so it wasn't like it was fresh in her mind. She turns to her mom and she goes, you know what, mommy, I love myself before you and daddy. Oh, I love that. Love it. There's little it's really, yeah. And it's, but it's really interesting. So that could be perceived as selfish, not putting other people before you, but it's, it's really not. That's the lie. That's absolutely the lie. If we cannot fully love ourselves, we actually don't have that love to genuinely and unconditionally give to other people. Right. So that's a skew that we've all been given is don't put yourself first. Don't be selfish. You know, everyone else first. You, we're not equipped if we don't love ourselves first. It's such a gift you've given your, 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 I love that she calls you grammy. It's so sweet. It's such a gift. And this should be the norm. This is what we're aiming for. Right. And it is the furthest thing from being selfish, actually, to spend this time. And we know how hard it is as adults to do this. I've, I've had to walk through the mirror work. It sounds so simple, but damn, it takes a it's while, right? Mm. It's really confronting because actually we've got to look through all of the layers that have been piled on before we can get anywhere near ourselves, right? And look at all of the... Oh, there's so many shame, disgust, all of those awful layers that we get given. We have to go through all of those and 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 remove them and let them go before we we get into seeing exactly who we are. And and Sharon, I wanted to ask you. I mean, we spoke about this before. Um, I had a oh, did she freeze? Oh, are you back? Yeah. Um, Oh, she's back. He throws a little I'm bit. Back. I'm back. There's a little bit of an in and out. So I, I'm going to just carry on from where I was because I'm hoping that the, it would have picked it up. And so the teasing for me came from uncles, which was interesting, older. I was a child. They were grown. Um, and, and also girlfriends teased me about the size of my breast. I was called oh, Sam No yeah. Chest, Charlie, um, sorry, Charlie No Chest, Sam Two Backs, all sorts of crazy things and, and similar stuff about not being able to you know breastfeed or orange pips for boobs all of this weird from that and then we don't have a a clear view of who we are so the mirror work is like one of the key things I think um and and yeah and when I had mine removed the big And feeling touch that deeply was like, wow, I've not, I've not felt that on my body for 24 years. It's just so incredible. So, Sharon, if you want to share a little bit more about um, your ex-plant. Yeah. Mm. I want to know, first of all, because I know with Sam, Sam had, like, not illnesses, but you just, there was there was different things like your breathing you couldn't breathe properly so there was there was loads of little ailments that you yeah know, like putting the dots together Sam I'm not speaking for you but this is what I saw no absolutely that's no, great you know like little dots and and starting to do a bit of research it came down to the fact that you had these implants in so what was it for you Sharon that made you get to the point of okay these need to come out well you know that that's a great question Christy. Oh, 
we lost her. Oh, there we are. You back? Uh, let's see, here. Because what is that so Sam and I are in Extapa at this healing and training center. And the person that that had the center, he um, you know, and I before I went down to Mexico, I had already done some research because I had gone onto these breast, you know, these Facebook pages and stuff and and had a, a name of a fellow that I knew was fairly close to Extapa that could be a doctor that we could. So it was kind of in the background. But you know, and I and I know that I was subconsciously, I was pushing it away because I I had a spinal injury when I was 40 that I didn't walk properly for five years. And, and I've had a lot of a lot of pain in my life that went on for like years and years. And so subconsciously, I knew that I was pushing it away because of the fact that I didn't want to go through the pain. And I so I, rec- you know, I, I didn't really like it didn't come to the forefront that that's what it was. But I realized later that that's why I was, you know, kind of like, you know, you're on this health journey, and then you make up these stories, that it's okay, because you yeah. You're living this anti-inflammatory lifestyle. You're eating really well and you've got your emotions all figured out and you're taking all these beautiful nutraceuticals and you've got it going on. But the reality mm-hmm. is, is that you can't tell the body that, hey, these are okay to be in there because they're, they shouldn't be. And uh, so when we were down in Mexico, uh, he ended up getting in the training center. Um, we um, There was a bone density machine that came into play. And so mm-hmm. I, when I was like, when I was uh, 40 or before I turned 40, because I got the implants in when I was 33, but before I turned 40, my mom was diagnosed with osteopenia. So we are all in this line of you know genetics as far as disease go. Well, now we realize that it's epigenetics and it has nothing right. to do with disease. So then I started getting bone density scans at that time and my bones were thinning. And so I would go every two or three years and they kept thinning and thinning. And then when I turned, um, just before I turned 50, I went on to a plant-based diet and really brought down the acidity in my system. And then it leveled off. So I wasn't losing any more bone density. And so then I just thought, okay, I'm good. And so I never ended up getting another bone density scan. So this bone density scan machine comes into play. And uh, so I thought, okay, you know, there you go. I got this, I got this, (laughs) right? So I get this scan and it's sitting there at minus 1.89, right at the cusp of osteopenia and osteoporosis. And I'm like, yeah. what, what, you know? And so it's like, so Sam goes zipping by one day and I said to her, I said, uh, Sam, cause I knew she had implants in for pretty much the same amount of time as myself. And, uh, and I said, Sam, I said, uh, what's your bone density scan like? And she goes, mm, not good. And I was like, bingo, bango, bongo. Here we are going to do this training. <laughs> Inflammation creates acidity. The body needs to be at a homeostatic level of slightly alkaline at all times. And so then it's going to pull calcium from the bones to buffer down the acidity from the inflammation of these implants. But you know what? The program that we ran was like, okay, I'll just pretend that they're not there because they've been there for so long. So they're almost part of your body. So you don't recognize them as a foreign object. And so then I was like, those babies. And so then I said to her, I said, hey, Sam, you know, do we want to go on an explant journey together? And we contacted the doctor and we ended up doing yeah. that. And so the, so the day that we went to Guadalajara, because that's where we had the surgery, I had, because I wanted to make sure that I knew what my bone density scan was. And it was still at that level, minus 1.89. And seven weeks later, I got my bone density scan done and it was minus 1.49. The first time I had built bone 
in since I got these implants. Wow. Wow. So that was the deciding factor, Christy, is that bone density scan. It was like, okay, you know. Yeah. I suppose <laughs> as well, though, um, because I think, I don't, again, I'm not speaking for Sam, but I suppose you just, you just get used to your way of being, you know, like if you're tired all the time, you just go, well, that's just who I am. It's because I'm, I'm just, that's just my energy level. So I'm just, I'm just wondering if there was other, you know, looking back with other signs and symptoms that was there because you had those implants that you had just like become part of your life, you know, like you say, you know, these implants, they just became part of me, you know? So what are those, can you look back and go, well, there were other, other signs and symptoms that were there that I just thought, well, that's just who I am and you can't change that. Absolutely. And, um, and thank you for going back to that because I get so excited about talking about stuff. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> my the reason why I want to, you know, sort of impress yeah. upon people listening to this yes. is yes. if they've got yes. implants and again, they're thinking, you know, whatever it is for them, like Sam was her breathing and another little bit, you know, maybe it might make them think, hold on a minute. Is this, is this how I am? Or is this because of these foreign uh, foreign objects in my body? Does that make sense? Because I know that was a big thing for Sam really wanting to share this journey so that it would have, you know, like share it so that other people raise awareness for yeah. you know, the fact that having these um, foreign objects in your body is actually not a great thing for your health in the long term sorry um yeah so no, yeah it's great it's it's, uh, it's great and thank you for reinforcing that question mm. and what it was for me was I had this underlying fog like it was like it was like not, not a like I, I still had the ability to retain stuff but there was this underlying like kind of like a a, a tiredness and I had lots of energy but it was just sitting there. It was like, mm. it was like, you never kind of lift it. Mm. And the, the, the moment that I woke up from the surgery, it was gone. Even from the surgery, it was like gone. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then, and then my joints became so much looser and I, you know, I, I never really was that flexible. So I really worked on it because of, you know, all the anxiety and the stress in my world. And so it wasn't like we were like breathing and stretching <laughs> in the household. And so it's really interesting because they all said, well, in the Cusack household that we, you know, we don't have like flexibility isn't there. Well, no, it's because there was so much anxiety and stress and everybody was like fighting mm -hmm. with each other and just okay. so much inflammation going on in the system that we didn't have flexibility because we were all contracted because that yeah. was the one we lived in. And yeah. so it was fight or flight and it was literally fight or flight. And so, so then all my joints became looser and then my skin changed again. It was like, it was like, whoa, it was, yeah, because, yeah, and, and then, you know, the, the stories that we tell ourselves, it's like, okay, mine was saline, and so it's all good because mine was saline. Well, it's in a freaking silicone bag, like, duh. I mean. I was in it. Yeah. Inside. <laughs> Sam, what was it, what was it for you, darling? Because, uh, you know, I say about your breathing, but there, there were other things. Like, definitely yeah there's a whole there's a whole it was quite funny we were sat in our beautiful doctor's office and we had these forms and we just kept going through like these symptoms we're like oh yeah and that and that and that I mean it's a full list and actually I'm going to put that list there's a full massive list I'm going to put it in the show notes yeah and I was just like yep 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 mainly fatigue 
um, joint pain, like just inflammation. After they came out, I was like, and I can breathe quite well because I teach Pilates, right? So I've been working on that for a really long time. But that that initial first breath, I was like, the space was just off the scale. But I think the, the one of the biggest, the fog, all of those things, but one of the biggest ones for me was the internal itching, like an insane itching, mainly in my abdomen, which I'd suffered from for years. And the doctor just went, oh, we don't know. It's nothing, nothing interesting. Don't worry about it. Um, but actually, we're talking about the saline. So I thought mine was saline as well. But it turns out when they came out that they were actually PIP, which is the banned silicone, industrial grade silicone. So I know that I am now dealing with trying to clear. Leaking, but no, not a major problem to it being industrial silicone so yeah very different but Sharon like you the same the tools that we've learned is the only way that we we didn't just walk through it we giggled through the whole thing it was amazing it was just incredible um and just and so between the two of us because in many respects because Sam's was under the skin and mine was under the muscle mm. and yeah, it took totally different months for my last hole to close yeah. Sharon's journey, and this is this is all of those words. This is exactly what it is, honestly. And I and actually I was just I was thinking when you were talking about all of the side effects you had from that initial appendix operation with all the antibiotics and everything that you had to go through. And Sharon walked through this without any pharmaceuticals. Most people, the majority of people would have crumbled under the pressure and under the pain and under everything that Sharon had to walk through with her experience, not a single pharmaceutical after that operation. The only pharmaceuticals we both had was in the operation. We had nothing before and nothing afterwards. But Sharon's journey with that was was absolutely incredible, really, really amazing. Well, thank you, love. And, and you know, and I, and I decided to do that because I didn't want any more inflammation and I wanted to be able to connect to any of the emotions. I didn't want to be fogged out. And not, and not, and I had no idea. Honestly, I had no idea it was going to be what it was. And I would do it all the same way again. If I was to, you know, go back and I, I would handle it exactly the same way again. And um, I would, you know, maybe have a little bit uh, more support from the standpoint of the person that was, but anyways, that's another story. So, and I have more tools associated with what, with what could have been more helpful, more beneficial with the journey as far as the recovery goes and and really and really grasp as far as what the food would be more like and things and because I had no idea it was going to be to the extent of what it was because I'm tough I'm strong I've been through stuff blah, blah, blah. well I mean this is your chest you know this this is the rhythms of our life this is our heart and this is our these are our lungs these are the these are the two those are the only two rhythms of our life and when we really mm. recognize how powerful we are from the energetic beings that we are and and we we reside within that that is our life force energy and so so i chose to to go that route but when when they're under the muscle like that so what happens is is that the body 
produces inflammation because it's a foreign object and it doesn't matter what foreign object it is. If you put mesh in the body, you put, you put a, a new hip in, whatever it is, it's going to react the same way. Cause you can't say, Hey, boat, Hey dude, I'm like, I want this to go in there and you need to just not react that way. It's going to say, uh, bang, I'm going to go into inflammatory response and that inflammatory yeah. response. So all muscle fiber is all striated tendons and ligaments, all connective tissue is got striation in it. And so what happens is, is that you put those implants under the pectoral muscles. So you're going to make them sticky because now there's inflammation, but you're going to start building in lactic and uric acid because the body's going to try to wall it off. And so then, but you also have the trauma because now you've gone in and you've traumatized the muscles. And so they're inflamed. So they get all sticky and they start sticking together. Then you've got fibrins that go in and you have scar tissue that starts intertwining itself and embedding it into the pectoral muscle. So beautiful Dr. Buenrostro, he, you know, he, I said, get as much scar tissue because the body produces fat to store toxins. That's the first stage of storage shed. And for women, the next storage shed, when you can't produce fat fast enough is the breast because that's fatty yeah. tissue. And then the next storage shed, as far as percentage of toxicity load is scar tissue. And so there's a lot of toxins in scar tissue because very dense and it absorbs it. And so I said, try to get as much scar tissue as you possibly can. And he said that I'll do that and I'll try not to take any muscle because you don't want him to start chopping out the pectoral muscle. And so he, he diligently cauterized and cut as much as he could of, and we have images of that, of the scar yeah. tissue from the pectoral muscle. So that's the one side. So now the other side, so the pe my pectoral muscles were like, <laughs> they were really cut up and really traumatized. And then the other side, now you have the ribs. So the, the body produces, pulls calcium from the bones to buffer down the acidity from inflammation. So the, so the encapsulated um, uh, implant, which was all scar tissue, had welded itself onto my ribs. And wow. so he had to scrape it off of the ribs. Now, this is the reality behind it. Scrape it off. Yeah. And so then the trauma, I mean, I remember the first day, I mean, the only way I could get from a lying down position to a sitting up position to drink water was to hook my foot underneath the mattress and then pull myself up like this because I could not go on one side. I could not go on the other side. I could not use any anything like not even a little smidge of anything because it sent me through the roof mm. and, and what it did was it 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 allowed me to really honor myself and nowhere in that entire episode did I say what the heck did you do you mm -mm. <sighs> no nowhere I did that because I knew that that how was that going to help anything yeah. then it's just going to put more inflammation more adrenaline more strain more contraction I, I don't want any more contraction and so I would just go within and I would just meditate and I would just you know just just breathe what I could breathe and just really you know and and it was you know I had those those drainage tubes in for like three weeks yeah you were longer than I me. A, a doctor of post-surgery care because I have these beautiful doctors in Mexico oh my god I went 14 times 
because she pushed blood clots out and pushed this like goopy yellow crap out like it's just like oh my god I couldn't imagine somebody going through that without living the lifestyle that I lived like holy moly you have to be on so many drugs and just disconnect from it all and just lay there and just moan and groan and just you know Mm. it's incredible and and I think what I really love about this is your choice and your your knowing that this was emotional as well as physical. And if you were not gonna go in and feel it, you weren't gonna clear all of that emotional trauma that had accumulated from childhood. That was an actual decision you made. That was not, it literally was a decision. It was absolutely phenomenal to witness. Um, and yeah, Sharon had her tubes in, at least two weeks more than me. I, I've got to find that picture of. I think it's a video. Work with her tubes and and moving to where she could. And I was just like, wow, this woman's incredible. Um, and yeah, we've got all the nitty gritty, haven't we, honey? Of 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 what can happen and and how to navigate it. But honestly, mindset, self love work all of the pre-work took us both through that. Um, oh, hands down. And, I yeah. Mean, you, it's, and, and, th- and here, this is what we do. I mean, there's five surgeries done on a woman for every surgery done on a man. Yeah. Like chopping things over, you know, hysterectomies, cesareans. I mean, one in three women have a cesarean. Like, come on, let's get real okay. here. You know, and, and it's going to one and two. I mean, that is insanity. Oh, let's schedule the birth so that I, you know, can conveniently put it in there. You know, like, uh, hello, uh, mm-hmm. scar tissue blockages. And that's why I'm doing this um, this pelvic uh, floor re- mm-hmm. restoration treat. Because that when we can truly grasp as women that our life force energy comes from our divine womb, man. We are womb men. Womb men. It's our sacred, hallowed cave. It is It is what is our life force energy. And so when we've got hysterectomies out of the roof, as far as women get, oh, we'll just like chop it out. You know, if a man has a problem with his with his penis, oh, we're just going to chop it out. You know, I know, oh, you know, touch that, baby. You know, and, and so it's like, you know, but we can't see it. So we just go in and then we create a hole and then now we've got prolapse and everything starts falling out of you. And then you just, oh, we got to put mesh in there now. And then the mesh, oh, the body goes, hey, let's wall off that mesh and create a concrete wall within our most sacred region. And so then we wonder why uh, we can't have a satisfying intimate life because we have painful lovemaking and then we have incontinence issues. And then we just go in and we get more abused and more abused because, you know, if we look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm going to take charge of this and I'm yeah. not going to go for the, you know, the red pill approach and, and trust in that. I'm going to trust in myself, but it starts as a little child when you're looking in the mirror and you say, I trust you. Yeah. Because all you want to do is just, you know, find somebody to tell you what to do or whatever it is. I mean, I didn't trust myself. I mean, if I trusted myself, I wouldn't have, you know, gone through all of this. And then, you know, what happened with me with the appendix, it pitted and it scarred my large intestine. So what ended up Mm -hmm. happening? Lo and behold, I've got leaching. I've got, you know, diarrhea. I've got leaching of toxins through the intestinal wall. So then I go to conceive a child. Oh, I have three miscarriages Mm -hmm. before I carried my daughter. And so I went on, you know, such a healthy diet um, 
lifestyle because I don't like the word diet because it's got the word die in it. And, and so, you know, so this healthy lifestyle to try to carry and my daughter was my last attempt. Oh, so then I carry her fine. And then the birth is uh, a complete horrendous forceps can't get her out because she's coming <sighs> all the way. Then I end up with staph infection of my uterus. Another life-threatening infection. So now antibiotic so. fighting for my life for like trying to, so I don't leave her without a mother. I had all to do with the fact of what happened. And if I had the tools and the knowledge, what happened was, is I ate a pile of corn on the cob the night before my brother's wedding. And that got lodged in the, it got lodged in that area where the, the small intestine, because of course we're not sitting all calmly and having a nice meal we're just like tong, tong, swat, because we're on to the next because you want to get the more corn in the cob because your brother's going to take it all and so you know so it's like such anxiety and stress and that so it got lodged in there and all i needed to have was an enema that's it i absolutely love this so yeah it, every everything we've done and everything that you've learned throughout your life, actually, it feels really huge and overwhelming for people. And I'm like, how do it is? It's the really the simple things that then expand into wellness, right? So without these foundational things, nutrition, enemas, water intake, um, self love, and, and people looking, oh, that's just a bit woo woo. Surely that they are that you're foundational, and without them. You're just popping a freaking pill to mm. fix everything. And the other thing is taking responsibility for yourself and just and just do it and stop relying on on the external to fix it for you because they're just it's not going to happen. You're just going to bit cut bits cut out and pill after pill after pill. So yeah, everything it just really you know it just really drops. It, it's actually the simple foundations. Without them, you're screwed. You have to do them consistently. Like, like yeah, so eloquently, it becomes like, holy moly, I can't believe you went through all that. You know what? That, that's that's really just just a story. But the bottom line is, is when you when you go back to the foundation. So if you're not living a anxious lifestyle, full of stress, consuming a bunch of inflammatory foods, making your your diet so sticky. And mm -hmm. so then you go and you chow down on a whole bunch of corn on the cob and it gets all stuck in the ileocecal valve and it, and it blows up the appendix and all you needed to have it just go out there and just like blow it all out and everything be good. And then, and then when you look at the, you know, the effect, the, the snowball effect, as far as what that ended up doing is like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa, yeah. you know, yeah. and it, and it kept going on and it was like, wow. And so if we could just grasp that at the, at the time of conception and before conception, so that we recognize that we are light energy beings, that we absorb and we absorb, we absorb whatever it is that is energetically being infused into us. And so when we have such a chaotic world that you're raised in, and even at the time, I mean, my mother said to me, well, I never had any unwanted children, but I had unwanted pregnancies. And I know that I was one of them because she kept it quiet. Wow. That she didn't she didn't even tell her sister that she was pregnant with her eighth child until they both met. And it, lo and behold, she was pregnant with her seventh child. And she never told her sister that she was pregnant with her seventh child because they're all embarrassed about whatever it was. So, I mean, that that's really good energy being brought into the womb. Mm. And it totally is that, isn't it? It is from before conception. It's like if if you as a as a as a mother, as a woman, are not 
in in tune with yourself, in love with yourself, that goes through to the unborn. And then it just, yeah, we've got such an important job to do, guys, and we're doing it, which is amazing. And that is why I'm, I decided to really just go, you know, to the divine feminine and, and really, and like you were talking about when we realize, when we rise up those virtues of the divine feminine, then the masculine needs, needs to rise up too, because we're no, you know, this whole societal perspective that we're sex objects, that we're just like these play toys and, you know, are your boobs or butt man? I mean, that's a program that's being fed to them, all the pornography, all of this, you Mm. know, holy moly. And so, and I don't blame them either. And, and so then it's like, they don't even know what it's like to be a man or, you know, and then they, you know, I don't want to be like a female. I don't want to like get, you know, um, let's let's rise up those virtues so that you can have compassion and you can have empathy and you can hold your woman and you can say you know what it's all good i'm here to make you feel secure in who you are yeah and so when you rise that up i mean my mother my mother passed you know moved from this plane of existence in october and i walked in behind my cat the casket of my mother and i held my oldest brother's hand and then i realized afterwards Mm -hmm. i'd never held his hand before and then yeah. I realized I never held any of my six brothers' hands ever. That's so interesting, isn't it? Oh, we've got such a big conversation to have about the sacred masculine and feminine oh as well. I'm gonna have, to come, gonna have to come. Gonna have to. Gonna have to come back. Um, mm. There's only one little. This has been such an awesome conversation. for sure um we have one little bit of format within our podcasts and that is a couple of questions so i'm i'm gonna kick this and i love what you're talking about rise because we are we're called rise tribe we're all about collaboration bringing like-minded people together and let's rise rise it up okay so our four pillars for rise i'm going to ask you so our first one is revitalize what does revitalize mean to you? To me? Mm. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, oh. It, it, it means to go within and really recognize the magnetism and the magnitude of what we have as far as the power mm. from revitalize that sacred being. Recognize that we are magnetism that we are not electrical beings, that we do not need to reside within the left brain, that we move into the magnetic brain, the brain of righteousness, the right path. Mm. And so we can then rise up and revitalize ourselves from the magnetism from within. So beautiful. Oh, I could listen to you all day, Sharon. You've just got right. So- I know. Oh my goodness. So beautiful. Okay, so the second letter arise is I for inspire. What does inspire evoke within you? Well, I'm inspired from being here and being honored in this beautiful forum. And inspire to me is when is when I when I see the lights go on from whatever it is that I when I when I see the the sparkle in somebody's eye and they go like, whoa. That keeps me going. And I've been through a lot in the last six months, a lot. And and with my mother moving on and, and my my family and whatever. And so it inspires me to 
find um, to be guided in this beautiful way where I can turn on a bit of a life force, a light within mm -hmm. others. And when somebody says, you know, wow, that's like super cool. And, and I go like, yeah. And then it's just like, it just makes me want to learn more. It's so like this morning. Oh, I was learning more about the endocrine system. I mean, it's like every day. It's like, every, I'm like, I, and, and so what I do is that because you can get too much in the tree of knowledge and not mm -hmm. enough of life. And so I really keep that in balance because what it does yeah. is it inspires me to move into the tree of, of life from the tree of knowledge it's only organizing the thoughts and so when i when i learn something new it's like i just can't wait to share it and put it uh, in there ways and it's and it's and that's what inspires me that's what the i and inspire is is that i'm going to stand within this place and within this uh journey and really create a big i and help to create a big eye within somebody else. And you can feel that in your energy as well. You know, that's yeah. it, that excitement and that, you know, burst for for knowledge and implementation. It's it, you can really feel it from each other. Yeah. That's the key, you know, Kirsten Kirst and I spoke about this quite a few times. Like the the tree of knowledge, you can get trapped in there and not share. And then you're just, well, then you're not sharing it. And and I love what you said about the balance and taking it into the tree of life and sharing. That is, that's a, a nugget. Thank you very much. That's beautiful. Okay. Our next pillar is strengthen. What does that mean to you? Strengthen. Hmm. You know, it's, um, it's to become an observer of when challenges are being put into our path and and whereas the the old Sharon and and the person that and I learned very quickly when I had my spinal injury is that if I stayed in the victim mode that I was just going to be trapped within that and so look at this and find out the gifts and find out what it is so when there's a challenge to dig down within the pillars because if if we have the foundation, like you were mentioning earlier, Sam, mm -hmm. if we build our house on sand, then the next wave that's going to come through is going to wash the foundation away. And yeah. so I I check myself. I check myself. And you know what? It doesn't mean that I can't go into that place and and then. But I, what I've done is not. But however. What I've done is I've recognized it and, and now becoming the observer and saying, okay, Sharon, you know, do the shake, shake it off, stand up there to get quiet, listen to some meditation that's inspiring, that helps with that, and then go back to build the foundation of the strength. Because if we don't build that foundation, and many of us don't want to focus on that, many of mm -hmm. us will get distracted and it's very mm -hmm. easy to get distracted. And, and that's, that's the journey that we're on. So we're going down this path and we, you know, we, we kind of wiggle, but we don't want to fall in the ditch and have to dig ourselves out of the ditch because it takes much more energy to dig out of the ditch. So as we're moving down this road of life is that it's okay to bump off of the curb and whatnot, but build the foundation so that you have those true sense of values that are associated yeah. with what it is. And the, and the biggest thing that we can do from the initial perspective is to focus on the vessel because the vessel houses our soul. 
because we are soul brothers and soul sisters. Mm -hmm. So when we look after the vessel, that's why it's much easier to reach people through nutritional consultations because that's it's too big to go to the soul and magnetism and all of these <laughs> mm. yeah. and so when and we people understand to, that more as well don't they mm. that's right that's right because yeah. the physical illness because the, the program is all about the physical illness because you can't you won't go to the doctor and they say that you know, you're a, an electromagnetic energy light being holy moly but then they'll go and they'll use yeah, an MRI machine or a CT machine that is all electromagnetic energy machines. And that's how they diagnose disease in the body, but they'll never admit that we're magnetic beings. Mm -hmm. And so the strength mm -hmm. is about the foundational strength, build mm -hmm. on a foundation that is solid on rock, not on sand, because mm -hmm. the sand will wash away. Beautiful. I just want to I'm say like, that little, God, Sam, no, go I mentioned there I see I've seen her do that many times literally oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like oh she's shaking it off <laughs> it's so, so awesome. this woman talk, walks her talk guys it's amazing it's amazing oh my god Fantastic. yeah no all I was saying was Sam you know like when and Sharon was talking about the the you know those foundations, those foundations that that Sam has mentioned. You know the water intake, the the nutrition, the self love, the enemas. Uh, you know, so you know there's there's for people listening, there's something to get to work on. Pick one, go to work on that. You just pick so, one uh, and start. Yeah, absolutely. Something else that I would like to say in regards to the foundational strength is that. You know, people go through these these things, and 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 I did it when I, you know, when I had my uh, my spinal injury, and and so what happens is is that we have every right to be angry or feel like we've been sad or hurt or or done by, you know, in a in a way when when we go through some things where we, you know, we've really been, um, you know, we've really been injured by other people and whatnot. However, it's this responsibility piece. And that is what truly brings the foundational strength and responsibility yes. is ability to respond. And so we, we, we get stuck in the victim and we get stuck in the fact that we've been done wrong by whatever. And so when we, so yeah, I mean, there's many reasons to be angry, many reasons to be sad on, on different issues that we've gone through. However, it is our responsibility to respond to that in a very good way and and to then take charge of that and move forward because it's no longer the excuses the deflection the exactly. diversion this is this is the work um that mm -hmm. i'm really been passionate about recently is having the ability to go in when you choose and 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 sit with your wounds and sit with anything that you need to sit with view it feel it work through it know what your part is in that and then forgive every aspect and move forwards yeah and and yeah. but you have to be able to go in and, and sit within these shadows and really really embrace them otherwise you're never going to be able to move forwards and you're going to sit in victim for the rest of your life mm. and um yeah and then it might feel familiar but it's not going to take you forward 
That's right. And that's it. And that's not encouraged, is it, to sit with your feelings? It's, you know, especially, you know, again, hearing parents with the children, you know, that are upset. Stop crying. Okay, let's move on. Let's run off. Come on, shake it off. And it's just there like, wow, you know, if you if you knew. And and again, like you say, we're not we're not blaming anything here. Everyone's everyone's working with the consciousness that they're at at that time, you know. So this is why these messages, these these podcasts, these conversations are so crucial yeah. to start planting those seeds and you know, like take responsibility, make me aware of how I am behaving. Okay, now I'm aware of it. That can't be un, unseen. So what are you going to do about it? Like you say, become the victim or become the victor. Which path are you going to choose to, to go down? So, yeah, incredible. And it's okay. it's having the tools to do that, right? So without the tools, you're just you're going to get lost in an abyss of pain, basically. Absolutely. So what are the tools and what are the tools that work for you? Mm, we, sure. we, have many. we have our five senses, right? Which is all part of the left brain which is mm. the electrical brain. So we have our five senses. We know what those are. So that is that is the ego. So the ego gets resides in the left brain. And that's where we get paralyzed in fear. And that's where we don't want to admit things because our ego won't allow us. And, you know, I mean, we do, do things, we feel guilty and shame. And that's all the ego. And it's the serpent to the soul. So the sixth sense is intuition. The sixth sense is when you can find that peace find that place of stillness mm-hmm. you can reside in that and then and then the messages come and that's when when we can truly feel like we are in charge of ourselves because when when people are are speaking a lot of it is just channeled through the intuition because you can't remember all that stuff exactly and so, and that is that is one of the biggest challenges is to people get out of the egotistical mind and move into the right brain. And when you talk about, you know, Christ consciousness and about the Bible and everything, what does it say? Cast your nets to the right, the righteous path. Mm. That is the magnetism. That is the right brain. But most people sit so much in the facts, figures and logic that they're just like, you know, just like, and that's when you know you and you sit there all quiet and it's like right but so many people running water for me yeah and I know this for me it took so it took a lot of practice to be able to sit with myself in that quiet because I had a story when you know I don't like being I don't like my own company I don't like being on my own you know so there's there's a tool straight away you know can you just Go and sit with yourself with no distractions, with no noise, with nothing, and just sit, be with yourself and allow you to start tuning into your intuition. Because when we're all busy and distracting and numbing and noise and all this, you haven't got a chance. Can't hear it. And what I would say with that is if you find it really, really hard, do a minute a day. Exactly. And and just start start small and start building that habit or routine or whatever it is and one one minute is enough it doesn't yeah. have to be an hour of meditation because I think that's where people get really unstuck oh well, I haven't got an hour take a minute and just make a start yeah, yeah. oh god guys there's so much to talk about. oh my goodness okay. okay last last letter arrives is elevates Sharon this what is, is ele- what is elevate to you darling what is elevate 
elevate what does that what, what does, does elevate that mean through? how does that make you feel what's it mean for you well you know um elevate is when i do sit in that place of stillness mm-hmm. and i i i have this shamanic drum and i drum it all the time now and it's just become part of me and so what i do is i'm learning chakra toning so there's nice. there's chakra has a sound reverberation associated with it and then there's a there's a a, a drum beat and so for me elevate is when i can truly connect to those energy centers and really and really feel that and i i can actually uh, create a high and so that high when i when i see the flashes of light and i see the blues and the sparkles and all these kinds of things then now that i i feel really honored that i'm now in that channel of the divine source energy mm-hmm. and that to me is elevate and when i can when I can stay within that zone and keep elevating myself, then I have the energy to emit that because we're magnetism and the heart emits energy and we in, we we emit the energy. So then I can keep my magnetism, my energy up. So then people that I come into contact with and have beautiful discussions like this can feel it. So if I can elevate your energy so that then you can feel what it's like to have elevated energy coming from another person, then I trust in the fact that that will inspire you to elevate yourself more. Wow. And you certainly do. Your your, Absolutely. your energy is, is yes, it's, it's, it's just all expansive and limitless. Beautiful. Beautiful. So and that's wonderful. the thing, isn't it? Never underestimate the impact that you can have on another individual both from a you know from a low vibrational point but also from a high vibrational point so again it's taking responsibility for right okay um am i feeling good going back to that self-love do i love myself and then that that energy can ripple out there to the people that you connect with and that's that's the perfect example of um self-love not being selfish it's actually the most selfless thing we can do because if we if we are operating from a high vibration um, and of magnetism, then it just extends outwards and does light other people up. So that, in a nutshell, is everything that we're talking about. Oh, my goodness. Sharon, can we just. Yeah. And not be afraid. And not be afraid. And. We become less afraid the more we do this. They're all just like, I mean, I'll just go do things. Like I'll just grab my drum and like. (laughs) Fabulous. I love it. I love it. People like me. It doesn't really matter. I don't, I like me. But I used to. Embrace all the quirkiness. Exactly. Exactly. And Mm. the uniqueness and the quirkiness is is the most beautiful bits as far as I'm concerned. That's, that's. I'm I'm only attracted to quirky, unique people. So. It's it's beautiful, Sharon. What are you up to? I'm I, I'm I'm aware of the time, but I just can we can we briefly talk about a little bit about what you've got coming up in twenty four. Wow. Okay. So mm. um, so I I I decided that really the shift to the divine feminine. So coming up in uh, just outside of Iwataneo, I'm doing this. I'm holding this um, pelvic floor uh, restoration retreat in ce- celebrating womb manhood. Mm-hmm. And um, that is being held from January 22nd, 23rd and 24th. And it's I, I decided to put it together because it kind of fell in my lap, this retreats 
set up where it's right on the beach of Playa Blanca, 15 minutes from the Guatemala airport in beautiful Mexico. And so, um, so I have that coming up and, and we're teaching it. I'm co-hosting that with uh, Irina Harvey, who has been part of the Vim Build world for about eight years, really focusing on that divine vaginal canal about revitalizing, regenerating, rejuvenating, and really connecting with the trauma so we can shed those layers. Because how many of us have had really uh, powerful honored sexual relationships or sexual or sensuality within ourselves. I mean, then you bring in religion and it becomes all skewed and we can't even touch ourselves there, but somebody else can. And it's like, we're really become disconnected. And so that to me, because that's our life force energy. And when we can truly tap in to rejuvenating and revitalizing that root chakra and the sacral mm -hmm. chakra, and then, I mean, we are connected to Mother Earth and Mother Earth's magnetism comes up through the chakra system, through those magnetic vortexes that start, yeah. start moving. I mean, we hear all about, you know, the pineal gland. I want to decalcify my pineal gland. Well, energy rises. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's pretty hard to get that baby moving and shaking when you're not moving and shaking in the core. It's really, that's so, so key. Everyone really focuses on the up here and the connection to source. And, and it's like, you need to get down there, people. You need to clear mm. that first, actually, and connect to the earth. Um, I've worked with both Sharon and um, Irina on pelvic um, floor restoration. and explore it's just incredible I'm so glad I can't be there <laughs> well and you know and, and it's about the exercise I mean there's this device mm -hmm. that goes it, and we blow it up and so then you have something to press and it's and and the kegel world people go well it's just like a kegel uh-uh no I mean the thing is is that the kegels were also designed to help with the destruction of the feminine because the bottom line is, and I, I witnessed it with my own birth, and I witnessed it with my daughter's uh, first childbirth, that the Kegels end up really constricting the opening. Yeah. So we're like, <laughs> so then, uh, so what happens is, is the baby comes down the vaginal canal and can't get out through the opening. So then what do you do? Yeah. An episiotomy. So let's cut again into a woman, create scar tissue. Because you've now... You've now increased the the strength of the sphincter, but nothing with the vaginal canal because we don't even we don't even know what that feels like. So we go up in the first floor, second floor, all the way to the uterus yeah. neck, and really revitalize that area and reverse things like, like prolapsing, incontinence, painful lovemaking. Uh, encourage women to take these courses before they get pregnant, so that then they have a vaginal canal that is really able to have a non-traumatic birth, even as far as going to an orgasmic birth. I mean, wouldn't that be 45 minutes yeah. start to finish, fire that baby out of there, not to have all these like, you know, blocks and what do you call that? Thing amazing. Final <laughs> right. You know, like, hello. It's so, so interesting. If you say that to most women, like you can have an orgasmic birth, they'd be like, oh, oh, what? Like, this is natural, guys. This is natural. This is the way it's meant to be. This this device is actually amazing. I have one and I, I did some training with um, Irina. And so I'm a Pilates teacher and I was very, very proud of my pelvic floor <laughs> until I did that course. I'm like, oh, Christ. <laughs> Oh, it's a bit wonky. It's a bit wonky. 
So, um, so I do a lot of pelvic floor work and but the doctors most would tell you to stop that wee flow and hold it and squeeze and it's just the same sort of thing and it makes it all skewy. So I work in a different way with Pilates, but I still had like the back wall was more strong than the rest. So it wasn't balanced. And this particular device, which is a, is a specific device, it's been designed, right? Just just for this. It's amazing. And it really does, yeah, it, it revolutionized my pelvic floor work. So it's just amazing. And then just to connect to that, to feel it. I mean, you know, there's so much, there's so much inflammation going on there, inflammatory from yeah. the mind and everything. I mean, how many times have we been in a in a intimate relationship and we've, you know, they the man wants to have intimacy and you're like, okay, you know, and you just like you know, this isn't honoring ourselves at all. And and women are having yeah. you know painful lovemaking because it feels like you're being ripped apart within that because there's so much contraction and so much inflammation. And then there's, you know, there's all of these layers that go on and, you know, menopause and, and fibroids oh, and so much. prolapsing. Then you go in there and, you know, the, so the bottom line is, is prolapsing is where the organs start falling out because the connective tissues have become so weakened and so rotten because of the lack of circulation and spewing of infection in through the large intestine wall that then, then this so-called doctor goes, decides, oh, we're going to put a hammock in there of surgical mash to pull it up. Oh, but the trees are rotten. So you're going to sew that into tissue that is not stable and is really not. a. And so then it's like putting a hammock on two rotten trees. And so then what's going to happen is that now you're going to have this like absolute disaster going on. And then the, you know, the calcification goes in there and creates all this blockage. And, and then you wonder why, you know, you end up with all of these issues and you've got hip issues, you have adhesions, you have all of these things that go on that is just it's, not conducive. It's insane. What are you doing then, in the summer, babe? Do you want to come to, do you want to come to the UK? We sh what are you doing in the summer? Should we, we should do one of these courses in the UK. Yeah, no kidding. Right? Absolutely. Love to Absolutely. do that. That's so good. We'll talk yeah. about that. Let's do it. And so what dates was that again? I'm also doing a body work course, an advanced body work in the restorative, the non-surgical. There's two lovely women that had taken some of the courses that they want to go further because I really Amazing. go for the the insertion and from all the years of practice that I've had as far as treating. So I'm, I'm and is, that. is that a full course? Is that is is that open to the public? It is, uh, it's open to people that have already had some of the training in regards to the okay. non-surgical. And it's actually, I'm going to do it eight days. So I thought I would nice. go through the fundamentals and cover what we can, because it's not so much about the treatments. It's about the technique and really understanding where the origin and the insertion, because so often nice. in the that we had in the past, we're focusing on the elbow or focusing on the knee. Well, the knee bone is connected to the hip bone, <laughs> the bone is connected to the backbone and the backbone is connected to the Capula and neck. Can you can you imagine we all together all singing that? <laughs> this one in courses is hilarious, honestly. Um, what dates oh, is that happening, okay. honey, and where? It's happening in Extapa, and I've got this beautiful place to hold it. And it starts on okay. I have one day off between the pelvic restoration, so oh, it starts it's back to back. Nice. Twenty third, twenty fourth. It's on the twenty sixth of February, God, and I run it four days with one day off, and then another four days. Amazing. So it's really about going deep 
into this region and really giving people the guidance so they can really feel the scar tissue, really nice. feel the communication, which we know that was lacking in the training that we received. It's yeah. going deeper and it's going into, to make these treatments more effective. I mean, people are, are, are paying good money. And so what I want is that when you come in, I want you to really feel that you've had something done so that you can walk away with the best treatment that you possibly can. Yeah. That's what I'm, what I'm getting. So it's an advanced course. And then what I'm doing from there is I'm going to relax and then, mm-hmm. and then really just keep focusing. Uh, some people are saying, well, we do another course of uh, the pelvic restoration in Mexico, the end of February. And I said, well, if you sign up, I've, I'm going to be there till the end of February, possibly the beginning of March, I will hold another course. And so it's a matter of if people sign up, I will stay and and do another course because it's it's so every woman, every single woman should do this course. And some people say, well, I don't have those issues of prolapsing or whatever. Oh, well, just you wait. (laughs) You wait till you pop that little tool up there. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So and it's uh, my website is the doctress of detox. D-O-C-T-R-E-S-S of detox, D-E-T-R. Fantastic. And we'll put all of that in the in the notes, Hun, so people can find you and I'll and I'll grab all the dates and everything from you. And, uh, and then it's just doing lectures and workshops, just 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 information, just getting it out there because I do the nutritional consultations, the emotional consultations. I'll come and present. I mean, I'll go anywhere because I'm just this is my passion. I mean, yeah. and people know this information so you can empower yourself so if your little if your child ends up with an appendix attack you go in there and you do an enema and then like all fixed up and done good we're all good Everybody's cool. you know and then you look at the fact well you know what kind of diet are we like leading you know lifestyle yeah, exactly amazing well we're gonna we're gonna have to bring this to an end there is one more little one Sharon I just gonna give you a little snippet we will be doing implant to explant that's coming up this year as well, right? We're going to have to do another oh, show. That's amazing. That's, yeah, well overdue, ladies. I know. We're super excited. So it'll be it'll be early summer. We'll be releasing a course. Um, we'll do some online courses and some in-person stuff. So watch this space. We've got some stuff coming with that. But um, as we launch, we'll, we'll do another podcast and talk about that more. But, yeah, I can't. I, we've been talking about this for so long. I can't wait to just hang out with you and, yeah. Oh, share it's, this it's, stuff with the world. I mean, just shouting from the rooftops. I'm women do not need to suffer anymore. We do Don't not need. need to do this. And and it's and and let's just and and you know the collaboration within women. I mean, let's get together. I mean, there's been so much jealousy and you know all this stuff that's gone on for so because they pit it against us too as well. I yeah. know. What's you know? So all like that. Kids films. So. Yeah. Collaboration, not competition. Nasty girls. Yeah. It's nasty girls. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, we're here linking arms, changing the world. Beautiful soul, soul sisters. It's amazing. And you know, and, and in regard to what I'm what I'm willing to offer, because <clears throat> I just I love to share because that's why I have a telegram channel that's called Sharing Sharon. And if I get my mm. act together, I could actually like do more sharing sharing on it but you will and i love to share and so i will share in any capacity so if there's anybody that wants me on anything i will come and speak i'm i'm all good with that because if i can if i can reduce the suffering for one individual from one thing that i've said then that uh, that inspires me and it moves me forward because i do not want 
um, people to suffer like I have. And if I could take this journey and, and, and help guide and because I can't heal, I'm not a healer. I'm a guider. You can only heal yourself. That's right. Yeah, That's right. absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Sharon, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for just sharing your heart, sharing your incredible, beautiful energy with us all. And yeah, I just know the people listening to this, I know for me anyway, and the people listening to this will get so much from this conversation. And uh, go go find Sharon's website, go find Sharing with Sharon on uh, on uh, Telegram, go and connect with Sharon and and continue this, this learning journey because um, this is a lot of stuff that isn't out there, isn't spoken about. So... Yeah, thank you for having the courage to mm. step out there and shout from the rooftops. It's valuable, valuable information for, for us all to take in. And again, now we've got the information, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> so right. thank you, Sharon. Thank you. Oh, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I really appreciate your kindness and your compassion and your empathy. And it's, mm. um, it's this is what inspires me individuals like yourself I mean look at your beautiful glow and you have this beautiful family of yours you have a 13 year old daughter an 11 year old son what a gift that you are to them with having these tools this information and this ability to recognize and observe and 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 this is it's about the children it is about the children and I and I will it, it is and that that's what really inspires me because the children need us they need these strong, these strong role models, these strong role models in whatever capacity it is so that we can reach the young mothers, we can reach the grandmothers, we can reach the matriarchs, we can reach these people so that then they can honor themselves and, and move forward. My, my oldest client is 88 and she is just, she's reading the power of now right now. And she phoned me yesterday. It's never too late, <laughs> is it? It's never too late. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. She's like amazing. She is so <sighs> cool. She's here. She's just like, you should see how she's transformed in the last three years. It's just like. You need to like interview her. Oh. You need to interview her, Sharon. That would yeah, just be so great. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yes. Totally. Start and, and doing I some interviews. I got to figure out how to do it, Sam. Like you got to like, yes. I'll give you a little hand, my darling. Beautiful. It's going to be great. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I just want to say thank you for coming on and just sharing you. I just, I love you. And it's I'm just, I'm so excited about what we're going to be doing going forwards and, and just, yeah, seeing, seeing you get your beautiful you out there and, and shining just so brightly. It's amazing. Thank you, sweetheart. You're welcome. And thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a real pleasure. I'm wonderful to meet you and beautiful sisters. And I love you, Mm. Sam. And I look so much forward to what the next, what the next chapter is going to be and everything. Well, the next uh, paragraph in the chapter. (laughs) Good way of putting it. (laughs) Oh, I love it. We can't like, keep calling them chapters. It's like it's it's paragraphs within the chapters. That's what this is. Too many chapters, otherwise. Yeah, right? it's amazing. Okay. Thank you so much, Kirsty, and thank you, beautiful. And I really appreciate you, and I'm forever grateful. Oh yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Sharon. 
And thank you to everybody that has listened and watched. And please drop your comments. Um, we would love to hear what you got from this um, conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's all about, really, isn't it? So, yeah, brilliant. Right. We will see you. It's all about you. This is what it is. And make it about you. 2024 becomes so much more because you can. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Sharon. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you on the next one. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.